Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, listen, as we come to the final verses in this letter that Paul wrote to this church there in Corinth, we see up until this point, the purpose of the letter really was to, okay, ready? Set things in order. Okay, that's the whole purpose. If you were to take a synopsis of just all of 1 Corinthians, he wants to set things in order. Now, Paul gives us the idea, listen, um, that something is broken and needs to be set back in place. That's really the whole crux of 1 Corinthians. Well, That's exactly what you and I have studied really over this past year, okay? It's been about a year, but now now, now stay with me, okay? So with that mindset, I started thinking about my life, and I realized that I, believe it or not, have never broke a bone. Maybe some of you have. You go, man, I broke an arm, you know, as a kid, or I broke a leg, or I broke a toe, or whatever it might be. I've never broken a bone. I am so blessed, Okay, for many years that I've lived on this earth, I've never broken a bone. See, you're all wondering, how old is he? You guys know how old I am. Just look at the gray on my... But anyways, um, but I did dislocate several bones. Okay, let me explain. Growing up, and maybe you've done this, growing up, um, I've been always taught the fundamentals of basketball. Okay, they always they always drilled in us the fundamentals, the fundamentals, the fundamentals. And part of the fundamentals of basketball is you play defense with your feet, not with your hands. Okay, you never reach for the ball. You always play. You play fundamental basketball. And I'm like, cool, I grew up, I did that. And uh, so that's how you do. You move your feet. Uh, you don't reach, right, Talia? Yeah, she's right. Okay, so I taught her those same fundamentals. The problem was um, lazy defense is trying to reach for the ball and not move your feet. That's just lazy defense. Well, let me tell you the story. One day when we were, I was playing City League basketball in Missouri, right? City League, men's league. Man, you know what? I don't know what it was, but I decided I'm going to steal the ball from the guy, okay? He's coming down at a full sprint this way, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to play. I'm just going to see if I can steal it. It'll be so cool. My hands will be so quick. But nonetheless, this fella driving the court, I decided to steal it only to have my finger, my middle finger, collide with his knee, okay? And, oh, my goodness, I remember feeling just this pain. I thought, "Uh uh-oh. I looked down in my hand, and my hand just looked really not the same, if you know what I mean. There were not five fingers sticking up. One was, oh, my goodness. I looked at it, and I was like, so first thing is, like, calm down, calm down. You got adrenaline. Calm down, okay? I'm thinking, oh, oh, right? So first of all, you're thinking, what a dummy. I, I should be playing defense. I'm here trying to reach. Now I, and, so, <laughs> and so I realized something's not right, okay? Something is not right. My finger hit at such an impact, guys, that it dislocated from my joint and was sticking down to here. Now, I thank God that it didn't break the skin, okay? I think I would have fainted, okay, if I would have seen a bone come out here. But nonetheless, I mean, it, this was crooked. This was so crooked, so I'm holding it like that, and um, <laughs> my wife was watching the game with the kids, and she's talking to somebody, and I go up to her, and I say, um, honey, we need to go to the hospital, and she's like, why? Why do we have to go to the hospital? And I showed her my finger, and she's like, Ugh. so she grabs the cookies, and she grabs all the stuff, and, she's, and we go to the hospital, okay? So she's driving. I'm in the hospital, and I'm thinking, man, this, I don't know. I've never had a broken bone, guys, so this is just like 
Well, guess what they did? Okay, so the first thing they did, and I know what you're thinking. Boy, that's easy. Just put it back, right? Pull it back. And I'm like, I agree, right? So they go into the hospital, and they're like trying to pull it back, and, and, and they can't get it. It's so far out of joint, they can't get it. And I'm just like, ah. So what do they do is they take some shots, and they put them in here. They numb all of this. Two big doctors literally had to pull my joint back into this finger, Okay, that's what happened, and you're probably wondering why I'm sharing this story. Well, let me say this first, okay? First and foremost, a couple of things from my story. You guys can relate because you've had probably a dislocated whatever it might be. You're probably going, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking of mine. But I, here, here's what I've come away with, okay? In my story, it hurt. You guys with me? It hurt when my finger was out of joint. Okay, it, there was some pain, Okay, it hurt, and it hurt when they were trying to put it back in place. You go, Ben, that's Captain Obvious. The second thing in my story is that I had to wear a splint, okay, for a couple of weeks. They had to keep it in place. So I wouldn't do any more damage. Now you're thinking, why did you tell us that story? Here's why. Because I believe it illustrates, listen to me, the pain the church felt as Paul writes these things to set it in order, okay? And so to fully understand, guys, as we come to a close, chapter, verses 13 and 14, because that's really kind of the, the crux that we got, we got to go back and get a good perspective of the letter, okay? So what we need to understand, okay, so Paul's setting things in order. Think about this, okay? So you might have your own dislocated bone or your finger or whatever. I just kind of related that. Now, I've had a lot of other stuff dislocated, but this was my bone, and I remember the pain, and so I, I really related to that. And you go, okay, so this is what Paul's doing in a church. He's setting things back in order. Now, remember what Paul says. Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, we learn, now listen, that transformation of life is possible by loving obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the goal. The goal is transformation. Okay, the goal is something happened to you inside out as you become a follower of Jesus Christ. The Lord said it himself when he said we must be born again. Okay, that is from born from above. It's a supernatural thing. Now, what we do from time to time, church, is we, 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 we might pray a prayer and then simply try to modify our behavior and call ourselves a Christian. We have to understand it's a work of God as he saves us and he transforms us. This is what Paul is saying. And so he's writing a letter to a church that he had founded and he knew them really well. See, Corinth, if you recall, was a major port city. It was, and I mean, it had all of these examples to Greek and Roman gods. It was a crazy, it was the biggest economic center. And so Paul, what does he do? He strategically sets out and he comes here as a missionary. He spends a year and a half there. Of course, you know what happens as Paul speaks of the gospel, as Paul lives the gospel. Can I get an amen? What happens is people start to get saved. You see, not only should we speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, but we should live the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's going to say in his letter. I want you to stay, stay tuned, okay? So what happens, this little community forms and they become a church. Now, remember, guys, remember, 
the population there in Corinth, they had a lot of Greeks and Romans and Jewish and Orientals. And they also had the great temple of Aphrodite. Do you guys remember what had happened at Corinth? And what they would do is they would employ a thousand prostitutes. And in an order of worship, that's how you would worship in Corinth. You went out and you paid a prostitute. I mean, this is, and again, Corinth was just a mess. It was a mess, okay? Corinth, the city was actually coined, Corinth was noted for everything sinful. So if you said, hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to do, man? Yeah, let's go. Guys, night out. We'd go to Corinth. That's really how the mindset was if you were unsaved. Okay? Now, what's the problem? The problem is, guys, is the church was being influenced by the world. Let me say that again. The church was being influenced by the world, and Paul is setting things in order. In other words... Let me take you back to my basketball um, story. The church was dislocated from what was normal, and Paul's going, okay, let me pull it back in place so that you can function once again. That's what he's doing. Now, so we understand all of what he's going to finish up today. We need to go back, and uh, we need to highlight some verses Okay, as as Paul wants to teach us in his final words. So we're going to go back a little bit. Okay, and and I want you to just kind of put on your thinking cap. This is what Christianity should look like. This is what you and I this is this is what it should look like is what Paul is saying. So, okay, so hold your finger in verse six in chapter 16 and go all the way back to chapter one. This is what Paul says in chapter one, verse 10. Paul writes, he says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Okay? So Paul is going, guys, listen, let me tell you the first thing about this letter. I exhort you. I lovingly, I want to help you by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, now, we must ask, why? Why did Paul choose this word? Well, the answer is, is because of the divisions the church is facing that Paul now wanted to restore. Well, what was his rap? His rap was this, and we've got to catch it, guys. He says that I want you to speak all the same thing. I want you to speak the same thing. In other words, he wants us, guys, to be united in obedience. He wants us to be united in obedience. And you go, Ben, what's the reason? The reason is, he says, I don't want there to be any divisions. If you have a pencil handy, circle that word for division real quick. Why? Because remember, we had talked about this about a year ago. The word division, it actually translates out broken bones. Broken bones. And so what Paul is saying is, guys, listen, we in the body of Christ should just not have any broke, dislocated any broken bones. What's going on, guys, is the church at Corinth early on is walking around with broken bones. And Paul realizes, okay, they're dislocated, and this is going to be painful as I begin to pull and set things in order. And he says, guys, here's what we need to do. We must be perfectly joined back together, and we must have the same mindset. And you go, well, why, why is that important? It's so important in any church. And as a matter of fact, guys, I was thinking about this, okay? I was thinking about this in, when it comes to our church. 
Okay, if we're going to thrive as a church. Now, the Lord Jesus has changed some things in our thinking as a church. Okay, as a local body, he, he helped us to realize that the church is not a building. We've been saying that for years, but he makes us realize that this is not a building, that the church needs to go out. We're going to continue to go out. But there's some things that we can grasp from what Paul says. You go, what's that? Number one, as a church, if we're going to thrive, we must be united in obedience to God. Okay, the very first thing as a church, we need to love God. I was speaking to somebody the other day, uh, just on Friday, and really the point was, is that, look, here's how we need to live, okay? We need to live the words of St. Augustine when he said, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then do whatever you want. So what do you mean? He says, if you have such a passion and a love for God, what are you going to do but serve him? There's no way you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then go out and and do things contrary to his heart. I love that. So we need to love the Lord. You go, what else are we going to do? Guys, we need to also be united in fellowship and harmony. We need to love people, okay? Loving people, whether it's COVID-19 or not, or COVID-20 or whatever is going to happen in the future, we need to continue to love people in and outside our church. That's a good place for an amen, okay? I heard you, Joe. I heard you. Good job. Okay, so anyways, that's what we got to do. We got we to gotta be united in fellowship, in harmony. And then, listen, the third, if we're going to thrive as a church, guys, we must be united in mission. Okay? That means we need to live radically. We need to get out of our comfort zones, and we need to reach our city, our state, our country, and the world. So Paul says we need to be in one mindset, and everybody goes, okay. But then he says, now, the problem is, it's Corinth. Look, look, say goodbye to one and and, and jump over to uh, chapter 2, verse 6. Chapter 2, verse 6, he says, however, he says, we speak wisdom among those who are mature and not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of glory. So Paul says, listen, the, the church had the Holy Spirit, of course, but they missed so much of what Paul was teaching them because they were thinking from a worldly point of view rather than the Spirit. What? Is that like reading today's newspaper? You go, why? Because, guys, what's happening is there are a lot of people who are super afraid. They're super fearful. But what they need to do is you understand you have the Holy Spirit inside you, but you need to be careful not to think of all that's going on in a worldly point of view, but start thinking it in a spiritual point of view. Here's why. Listen. Jesus told us what was going to happen. He wrote it down in a book. He talked about governments. He talked about one world order. He talked about a cashless society. He talked all about that. And then now that we kind of see the the beginnings of that happening, we go, oh, no, it's all in here. It's all here. And, and we as a church, let's begin to, to think spiritually. Go, oh, okay, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? See, the problem at Corinth, they were so frustrated with Paul's teaching because they, they thought so worldly. They go, we want something deeper. We want something deeper. But the fact is, Paul tells them, actually tells them in the next chapter, he says they weren't ready for more meaty teachings. 
because they were only still drinking the milk. Look at, look at chapter 3, verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. For they were, right, for where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Boy, Paul, remember, remember, listen, remember, to set something in order, uh, it hurts. I remember, ow, ow, he's trying to pull it back. And oh, oh wait a minute, wait a minute, ouch, oh, whoo, that hurts. And this is what he just said. He says, guys, listen, I wanted to speak to you, and I wanted to give you the deeper things of God. But he says, but you guys weren't ready. You couldn't, you couldn't handle it. You, here's what breaks my heart, Paul says. He says, you haven't matured in your walks. You haven't matured in your walks with God. And that's the goal, guys. It's one thing when, you, when, you're, when you're a baby. It's one thing when you first give your life to us. Oh, everything's so cool. And, 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 but he says, this church has been around a little while. They should, be, they should be growing in their walks. Guys, this is exactly. And he looks at him. And listen, he doesn't have a heart of condemnation. He's not like, well, you need to just stop. He goes, y'all are carnal. And you go, well, what's a carnal Christian? What's a, what's a carnal Christian? A carnal Christian is a person... A carnal Christian is allowing the flesh to dictate his life rather than truth in the spirit of God to dictate his life. Okay? You're allowing the flesh. What's good for me? What's going to feel good? Okay? And so, and so the, a lot of the, 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 the people in Corinth, they're, they're carnal Christians. And Paul's like, guys, listen, you guys are still in the flesh. And I started to think about this for us just in light of some application. I just started to think, Lord... Have I made decisions in the flesh rather than seek you and wait on the spirit? And he goes, yeah. And I go, oh, I see. I understand. Because there's two, there's, there's a battle going on in our hearts. Is there not church? You have the flesh and, and the flesh wants what it wants, but you have the spirit. The spirit, of, the spirit inside of you wants to praise the Lord. And, and now you've got this inner civil war. Why? Because you want to please the Lord and your flesh goes, no, I want to please me. And so that's why Paul says that we need to crucify the flesh daily. And we need to come and say, Lord, here's, here's my date book. Here's my agenda. Here's what I want to do. But you have full access to change it anytime you want to, Lord. Help me to do this. Paul's heart is, is, is so amazing. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, he says, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to the world. Or is that you were infants in Christ? Guys, I think it's so important that we do. I love, I love, I'm going to use the phrase, I'm going to steal your phrase, so, okay? That we do a spiritual inventory, okay? He, he likes to do that. So we got to go in, we got to get our inventory clipboard out, and we need to do a spiritual inventory of ourselves because I need to ask myself a very important question. Am I maturing in God? Am I growing in the Lord? And that's so important. That's so important. The church is still worldly, and it's very clear from their, the, the presence of jealousy and the quarrelings over teachers. He says, guys, he says, you're, you're acting like you're in the flesh. You're acting like mere men. You're walking according to the flesh. And Paul says, now let me remind you, okay? I'm writing this to set things in order, and Christians, guys, 
your life would have changed. Your life would have changed. This is a this is a internal transformation. Things would have been, oh, oh, and, and he's going to remind us, okay? And so he writes this, if you're taking note, to the church, chapter 6, verse 9 says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetousness, drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this, and such were some of you, but you were washed and you were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of God. Now, remember the context, okay? Starting in chapter five until now, Paul writes about transformation that should occur when someone chooses to follow Jesus. And what's his point? His point is that we should not continue in their former sinful ways of life. And he says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. This is the holy word of God. He said, this is who you were. Do you remember that? And we go, yeah, I don't even want to, I don't even know, man, that dude's dead. Guys, I, I mean, we can all relate to that, but here's what I love. I'm going to stand on verse 11 because and he says, and such were some of you. Some of you did this. And we go, yeah. He says, but not anymore. He says, you're washed, you're sanctified, and you're justified. This is why we should get excited today. This is why in the midst of all the pandemic we're going on worldwide, we should be excited because salvation is not dependent upon me. Jesus paid the price. What does that mean? Alex, I go, I'm going home. I'm saved. Amanda, I'm saved. Because of Jesus, not, not because, well, you were the pastor of Calvary Chapel. No, that has nothing to do. I'm saved because of you. Listen, he says, I'm washed. Hallelujah. I'm washed. Okay? He says, I'm sanctified. And I'm justified. You know what that word justified means? Just as if I've never sinned. I love that. So when God looks down on me, who does he see? He sees Jesus. Oh, how glorious that is. That's what gets me excited. There's, listen, listen, there's no way you and I in all of our good works could stand before a holy and just God. As a matter of fact, the word of God says that our works are what? Like sinful, like, like dirty rags. That's what they are. We're, I was describing this like, no, those are, because it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us. And then he goes on in chapter 8, verse 9. He says, now, beware, lest, some of what, lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. Okay? So what happened is the church goes, we are saved. We're saved. Jesse, we're saved. Jesse, we're saved. We're saved. Let's go. Wait, wait. Does that mean I can do whatever I want? I can do whatever I want. I'm saved. I've got liberty. I've got freedom. Yeah. And Paul says, hold up, hold up, hold on. He says, be careful. Because this liberty, guys, is becoming a stumbling block to somebody else. Yeah, but I'm saved. I'm free in Jesus. Yes, you are, but be careful. Why? Because the whole concept of, of Paul's heart is that people matter. People matter. See, I want the heart of Jesus. I want the heart of my Lord. And if you'll study the heart of the Lord, he's always about people. He came down, bankrupted heaven for people. And I want to have that same heart. And Paul has that same. He's like, listen, listen, yeah, you're free. 
You're free to do this. You're free to do. You're free, but you're also free not to. Hello, you're free not to. If you're going to cause a brother to stumble, I don't want to cause a brother to stumble. And so he warns the church, guys. He warns the church. Now, what's he doing? That's painful. Why? Now he's setting it in order. There's your. There's your bone. Ow. Oh. Ooh. That. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Maybe. Maybe there's some shots in there. Why? Because. Because they're standing on their freedom. But he says, No. No. What's even. What's even greater than your freedom? is that people matter. That's greater than your freedom. Because you're free to do it, and you're also free not to do it. What does that mean? That means we got to be super in tune with the Holy Spirit so we know, listen, if I'm going to do this, it might cause my brother to stumble. I need to be careful. I need to be careful. Uh, if I do this or I eat this certain food, it might cause my brother to stumble, so I'm, I'm not going to do that. Doesn't mean doesn't take any freedom away from me. I can do it when you're not around. I can do it in my own home, but I want to be careful because I love you, bro. I want to make sure I don't cause a little one. And then after a few years, you go, oh, man, he really grew up, so, so you have this. And so, again, this is what Paul is talking about. Then we came to what? To chapter 12, verse 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, because remember, the church is very spiritual. He says, guys, I don't want you to be ignorant. You guys remember that word? He says, that word doesn't mean dumb. I don't want you to be dumb or obtuse. It simply means you boasted on the knowledge, but you don't have all the right information. He says, you're unaware. And don't you just love Paul's heart? And you say, why? Because... He wants them, and I love this, guys. He wants them walking with Jesus in everyday victory. Okay? And so he teaches them what? The word of God. The oracles of God. Why? Because real spiritual victory comes only from God. Man, I love the fact that we could jump on YouTube at any time and watch a sermon. I love the fact that we can get a TED Talk on anything we want to do. I love the fact that we, I mean, we have all of this technology uh, at, at our fingertips. But here's the one thing that, that I do want to remind you. And you go, what's that? Spiritual comes from God and the word of God. The Bible tells me that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So I want to grow in faith. I want to grow in, in, my, in my spiritual walk. I need to be in tune with God. And then Paul says, okay, so we're setting it back in order. We're setting, we're putting the bone back. Yeah, yeah, that hurts. He says, make sure it's done in love. Look at verse 13, chapter, or chapter 13, verse 1. He says, though I speak of tongues and angels and have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, he says, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and give my body to be burned, that I, but have not love, it profits nothing. Love suffers long and is kind and does not envy and does not parade itself and is not puffed up. And then he goes on. He, this, is just, this is just amazing. Why? Because he wants to make sure that everything is done in love, in love. Okay? He says, listen, if I'm coming to you and I'm angry and I'm upset and I'm just putting down the hammer and I can't believe this is the church I started and I, rah, 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 and how come you're doing this and how come you're doing that and you're not, he says, no, 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 I'm, it's, it's all about love. And he says, man, listen, I can tell you all these things, but love is the key. Love is the key. Do you guys remember what, what our Jesus told us? Do you remember? He said, people will know what? You are my disciples by how many Bible verses you memorize. 
No, you guys are giving me that look like that's not right. No, no, no. Okay, he said, people will know you're my disciples by how much money you give to the church. No, no. Jesus told us, guys, that people will know, hey, you're a disciple by the love you have one for another. By the love. And this is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. So now he comes. Paul says, okay, I've set things in order. It's a little painful. Okay, it's a little painful. It hurts. Okay, but now that the doctors have pushed it back in, let's bandage it. And this is what he's going to do. And this is how he set things in order. And that's when we come to our text. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We pick it up in verse 13. And he says, watch. Stand fast in faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Okay, so. He set everything in order, and here's the bandage. Here's the wrapping, okay? Now, it hurt. It hurt because I didn't want to hear those things, but I knew I needed a bandage. And part of the bandage, the first word he says is what? He says, watch, watch. If you have a pencil handy, circle that word because it means to give attention to something. In other words, it means wake up, wake up. It, it, it paints the picture of an alarm clock going off, going off, right? And he's saying, quit hitting snooze. It's time to wake up. Okay, I've seen some alarms that are so funny, they'll have an alarm at 6 o'clock, at 6.05, at 6.10, at 6.15, at 6.20. Nah, nah, they have to send that many alarms, and it's like, just get up. Now, if you're that way, wait, no, no judgment here, bro, no judgment. But I'm just saying, I've seen that in, anyways. So Paul says, watch, watch, wake up, wake up. I've set this church back on track. Now it's time to be ready. He also says, stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. And then he says, he says, be brave and be strong. But remember what he's saying, okay? He's wanting us to watch, to watch, okay? Think about this, okay? Do you realize that our Jesus told us the same thing? He told us. Now, in light of, the pandemic, in light of the coronavirus, in light of COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, in light of cancer, in light of um, whatever. Think about what Jesus told us. In Mark chapter 13, 35 through 37, Jesus said, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, or at the crowing of the rooster, or the morning, lest coming suddenly you f- he find you sleeping, and what I say to you, I say to all, watch. Watch. Guys, this is what our Jesus told us. He said, listen, I'm coming back. He wants you to be ready. Now, again, he's not saying don't go to sleep, okay? Don't, don't fall asleep. In, that's not, he's not saying don't fall asleep in bed, okay? And if you have a four- or five-month-old, you might not be getting that sleep, right, Adam? Uh, he doesn't know. He's, Tiffany takes care of all that. But nonetheless, I, I understand. I understand. But nonetheless, um, what he's saying is, guys, don't, don't fall asleep from a worldly point of view. Don't, don't, don't sit here and go, oh, yeah, Jesus isn't coming back. This, this whole thing is just, I don't know what it is, and blah, 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 blah. He says, think spiritually. He says, watch, be ready. Wake up. Wake up. 
What does that mean to wake up? What does that mean? What does that mean to us? Well, uh, practical things, you guys can fill in the blank. But I think for me is let's not, so, let, let's not be so stressed and, and so um, um, anxious over little things. If Jesus comes back, I want to be awake. I don't want to be just all, all irritated about something that's just so minor. I'm pretty good at that at times. No, it's like, okay, okay, perspective. Okay, watch. Jesus coming back. Okay, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. When's he coming back? Could be midnight. Here's the point. As believers, doesn't matter, does it? We're ready every time. We're ready to go. Lord, I go to sleep. If you take me, amen. If I wake up, what a glorious day. Have another opportunity to share the gospel. To share the gospel. To do what we do. And, and here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. And, I, and I'll, I'll share just a little bit here in just a minute. But, but that's really our goal. Our goal is to get up, live a life, share the gospel, and just watch the Lord just, just, just do amazing things in our lives. You do that at your work. You do that at home. Jesus said, watch. Are you watching? Are you ready? Boy, I'd hate to be found sleeping. And I say that spiritually. You go, well, 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 who's asleep? Maybe somebody that's watching by now who's not, not given their life to the Lord yet, hasn't fully committed, hasn't made a decision. You're watching, amen, glad you're here, but today's your day. Today's the day you say, yes, I'm wide awake, Pastor. What do you mean by that? Today I made a decision to follow Jesus once and for all. Over in Acts, guys, back in our study, over in Acts, he tells us the same thing. Acts chapter 20, 29 through 31 says this. For I know this, that after my departure, check this out, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among you yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things and draw away the disciples after themselves. He says, therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn you night and day with tears. Do you understand? I was talking to Mel earlier this morning, and I said, you realize that, Mel, that the moment you step into ministry, okay, just even ministry, let's just talk ministry. Let's not even just talk about being, he says that, again, think about it. There's a, there's a war. There's a war going on. And whether you're on the worship team, you guys know what I'm talking about, whether you're on the worship team, behind the scenes, uh, PowerPoint, I don't care what it is. The moment you step into that, there's a war. And this is what he's saying. He's telling us, guys, listen, listen, savage wolves are going to come in. Even men in the fellowship, he says, are going to rise up and try to draw you away. He says, this is why, this is why I didn't cease to warn you night and day, guys, be ready. Watch, watch, be ready. Be ready. What else does Paul say? Well, he says watch, but he also says stand fast in the faith. He says be brave. Do you guys see that? I like the way the King James says it. It says quick you like men. That's what it literally says, quick you like men. And you go, what does it mean? You ready? Act like men. Now, again, he's speaking to everyone, so let's just, let's just categorize. Act like adults. Okay, we need to act like adults. Be strong. Be brave. Paul, I mean, the whole the whole feel of verse thirteen is kind of like this military order. Jesse, you're in the military. You know, it's a military order, and, and it says suggesting that the church is an army and act should act like one. Act like adults. He says, guys, listen, man, watch. Okay, wide awake. I'm ready. He says. Quick like men, be strong, act like 
adults. And you could see how he's right. And listen, that's when that, oh, oh, that hurt. That hurt. Ouch. Why did you do that? Well, you know, I mean, there's some shots. Guess what happens when the shots start to wear off? You feel the pain. And that's exactly what Paul's doing. These guys, guys, act like adults. Why, why does he want us to act like adults? Why does he want us to be mature in the Lord? Listen, let me just say this, because people matter. Lives matter. Okay, think about this. Think about this, okay? If you lose your job, it's bad. But if you lose your soul, that's eternity. And so one soul really matters. I am so sorry if you're struggling and you lost your job. We will do whatever we can to help you. But what, what, what makes us just cry and weep is if you're not right with God. Because it doesn't take a pandemic. It, it, it doesn't take a virus because none of us know when our final days are here. And so, we need to act like adults. And then Paul says, make sure you do all these things in love. I like what Carl Sandburg writes when he's addressing the United States Congress. And he said this of Abraham Lincoln. He said this, he was a man of velvet steel. And you go, what does that mean? He says, that's a good image for the Christian kind of to borrow. Why? Because a true manliness does not exclude tenderness. So although Paul is setting things in order, he's saying, listen, he's doing it very lovingly. He's doing it very lovingly. Okay. My finger's back in place. Be watchful. Stay awake. Guard your faith. Be courageous and strong with all tenderness and love, and love. That's, that's how he wraps everything up. And now he says, okay, so I'm going to say goodbye to some people. Look at verse 15. He says, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanas, that is the first fruits of Achaia, that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such and everyone who works and labors with us. Guys, what's he saying? He's going, Stephanas? He, he first got saved, and guess what? God called him into the pastorate. And so he's telling him, he's going, guys, listen, um, I'm, I'm urging you guys, listen to him. Submit to him, his authority. I love this. I love this because here's what it reminded me of. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. This is like, you know, varsity level, the Apostle Paul. And you know what he does? He says, I can't do it myself. He says, Stephanus is helping me. I love that because I think it's a great platform for the church. Not one person can do it. Not one person. But here's the thing. By Alex playing the drums... He's a Stephanus. What? Yeah. Because people aren't worshiping. Because Pastor Soph and Yvonne, hi Yvonne, 
um, have been here for 16 years, there are Stephanas. And there have been many times that my arms have been so tired and so, so weak that, that Soph has, has lifted them up. And through all the people that have come through here, all the people that have come and they've lifted up. I mean, some people have come for a season. Some people have come, whatever it might be. But thing, I think, I think we're all stuff like Jesse. I don't know. Half the times I have no idea what Jesse's doing. He's, a, he's an IT guy and he thinks on a different like. But you know what, Jesse? I, I was reading something about Google. Anyway, that's Google and Apple. We'll talk about that later. But you might be right. Anyways, so he thinks in, he thinks in abstract. I mean, he thinks, but that's okay because he's a Stephanus because he's helping. Every one of us, Mel and Joseph and everybody, our children's ministry. And I think about even behind the scenes. I don't know if you know this, you know, but there are people who come. Hey, Pastor, I'm off tomorrow. Do you need help? Oh, wow. This is what he's saying. He's saying, the Apostle Paul, he's like, it's not me. It's not about me. Here's the problem. The problem is, listen, I'm going to give you a preview for two weeks, okay? The problem is, is there's people in Corinth going, Paul, you're not, you should be standing up going, listen to me, I am the best, don't even. Paul's going, no, listen, there's other people that you need. And, and what happens is that they start questioning his credentials at that point, just because he's not boasting on himself. Stephanus, he's ministering there. Submit to his ministry and his authority. That's what we need to do. Verse 17, he says, I'm glad about the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaeus. Hey, Adam, where was Fortunatus when we were looking for names for Jasper? I don't, there was a good name right there. Look, that, that would have been good. Yeah, yeah. And he says, for what they, what, what we're lacking on your, you're going to have to have another kid, Adam, so we can name him. Okay, so um, I could see Tiffany doing this. No, not right now. Or maybe she's saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, maybe. Therefore, he says, acknowledge such men. Why? The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Here's what he's saying. Godly men who take up the task with Paul. Godly men. Let me say this, guys, and this goes across the board. We can never be territorial in our ministry. We can't. That's not how the church functions. The moment somebody goes, says, I am the pastor and nobody else is going to teach is the moment that church goes down. What I look for is godly men who can teach. And I say, wow, that's amazing. And here's what God will do. God will use them. And God will send them off to, open, to, to, to plant another church, whatever it might be. But that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. In verse 20, he says, all the brethren greet you. Listen. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh-oh. Did you hear that? From now on. Hey, next <laughs> next Sunday. Come on, we're going to greet you with a holy kiss. No, 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 we're not. Um, we're not even going to shake your hand, okay? But what he's saying is back in the day before COVID-19, obviously, they would greet each other in the, in the East. They'd kiss one on the cheek and one. And I mean, that would be weird. That would be so weird. Because if you go on missionaries today, they still do that. You go up and you're like, hey, and they're like, Pfft. And they plant one on you, and you're just like, okay, I'm not used to that. But that's what it would be. It's the same. It's, here's what it is. It's a term of endearment. And I'll tell you what. Listen, we need hugs. We do. I hate this. 
I mean, you know, that awkward hug, like, should I hug or should I, hey, there you go, how you doing? We, we're used to going, hey, bro, come here, and we bring it in because we need hugs. We're bros. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, when you come in the body of Christ, <sighs> there's some you fist bump, boom, amen, right? And there's others that you hug and I don't know, I don't know. You want to know if you're really changed? You want to know if you're really a Christian? It's like you wouldn't hug people before, and now you're hugging bros. You know what I mean? You're like, man, I never, I would, I'd be like, well, I'm a high man shake. But now you're like, come here, bro, and you're hugging, and, and then you're crying. Where did that happen? But anyways, I've gotten off. Let's, let's, let's finish up. Let's finish up. So he says, we're going to greet each other with a holy kiss. Not next week. We'll just, uh, we'll just welcome you. And he says, the salutation with my own hand, Paul's. Remember, Paul was blind, and so he dictated to one of his guys what, this letter. Okay, but at the end, he says, this is what I'm... And, and probably big letters, I don't know. Um, this is what he says. And here's his salutation. So let's close... Let's close our Bible study, guys, with the final words from Paul. Now, remember, this finishes our our verse-by-verse study through all of Corinthians. Um, I think you can find it on podcast, all of them, right, Mel? All of them are on there. So if you want to go back and just listen to the whole book, you can. This is amazing. But here's his final letters, verse 22. If anyone does not have the love of the Lord Jesus, let him be accursed. In other words, accursed means that the, the, separated, the, the, the things that were separated uh, to the Lord for destruction, devoted things. He says, man, if anyone does not have the love, does not love, does anyone, I'm sorry, let me read it again. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you in Christ Jesus. And he says, Amen. So what is Paul doing? You ready? What Paul said in order was painful. And sometimes, look at me, sometimes when the Lord convicts us of certain things, of certain actions to grow us, it's painful. But it's not a pain that you walk around and hurt, and it's, and it's, it's that pain that you go, oh. Let me, let me see if I can explain it this way. If you've ever worked out, and you had it worked out, you know what I'm talking about? You go like, yeah, I'm going to the gym today. When was the last time you lifted weights? Man, that was about four years ago. And you start lifting weights, man, you're just like, man, the next day is painful. But it's a good kind of pain. You're like, yeah, I'm sore. But sometimes it gets crazy, but okay. So, but oh, ow, ow, ow. You know that good pain when you're sore? Okay, that was a bad analogy. Let's say when you've been working out for a little while, but you go up a little bit and just a little bit sore, but you know that's that good sore. It's like, yeah, I felt something. Because I used to be, I, I remember one time I did Nathalie's class, and I was so sore in my legs, I couldn't walk. I could not. I mean, to sit down it was, was brutally painful. But anyways, here's what he says. It's going to hurt for a while. Because we don't like to be corrected. But through love, Paul reminds them that Jesus loves them, and he still has a plan. Jesus loves you very, very much, and he has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life so amazing. I wish the church at Corinth would have listened. 
You go, why? Because Paul is going to make a short visit, and it's super painful because he's going to find everything a mess. And so what Paul does is he writes them a letter that's a very painful letter. Now, remember, we don't have that letter. Okay, that got lost. And so then he writes them a third letter, which we call 2 Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians is actually 3 Corinthians, and he's going to make reference on that as well. So I wish they would have listened. Jesus loves them and has a plan, just like he does for you, just like he does for me. So would you bow your heads and pray with me right wherever you are? And would you just submit your heart to his plan? And you might say something like this, Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I acknowledge that you are my God. I acknowledge you are my king. And I submit to your plan for my life. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for walking with me. And I thank you for protecting me. I thank you that you are enough. Hey, listen, with every eyes closed and every head bowed, maybe uh, throughout the broadcast you um, you were watching and the Lord began to just move in your heart. And you realize that um, through the teaching of the word of God, you go, man, you know what? I don't know if I, I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus. I don't know if I've ever really made a decision to follow him. But Ben, you were saying some stuff and things started clicking in my brain and, and the stuff was stirring in my heart. And, and, and I don't know what that means. Well, here's what it means. It means maybe that right now the Lord is wanting you to make a decision to follow him. You go, I don't know what that means. It means that he wants you saved. He wants to come into your life. He wants to just forgive you of your sin. He wants to just offer you eternal hope. And and you might feel like you're just so far from God that you could never come back. But let me tell you this. You may feel like that, but you're one decision away from coming back to him. And my God stands with his arms open wide, ready to receive you. And all you have to do is come. All you have to do is come. Say, God, I've come back. I love you. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I believe in you, and I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Pray that with all of your heart. And then the second thing you need to do is just tell somebody, hey, I gave my life to Jesus today. You did what? I gave my life to Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Let's worship. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.